Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Like, brilliant! Check us out. I know. Oh my God, I'm going to need to do your Instagram story about this. This is hilarious, <laughs> honestly. If they could see us now in our dens. I know, in our den. Honestly, my den. I can't believe I like ever made dens when I was away because I've not remembered anything. <laughs> honestly, my den is so bad right now. You'll need to up up your den. I know. I'll need to send you a picture because honestly, you'll be like, what's going on? I'm sweating, but I'm here. I'm here, and I'm hoping that the sound is better. <laughs> to be fair, Jodie McCallum, you have went to great lengths to make sure that this sound is excellent. That is the absolute professional in you. Well, I, well, I'll send you a picture, and then you can decide whether you think it's professional lens or not. Because I'm sitting here with my headphones holding up a massive juvie over my head that I can actually see fake tan marks on. That's actually Lovely. embarrassing. <laughs> I know, but... I don't know the last time I wore fake tan. I'm so impressed by you, but obviously you are still working on lockdown and you are on the telly, so I I guess you've still got to make an effort, whereas I look like I brushed my hair with a firework, so... No, honestly, I'm so glad that that you can't see me with this recording that we are recording on, this uh, system that we're using. I'm (laughs) so glad you can't see me. See, when you said the only difference is it doesn't have video, I was like, thank God. (laughs) People are saying that their skin's getting better because they're not wearing makeup. How is everybody else getting really nice skin? I'm looking more barking per day. I don't know how people are looking nicer, honestly. I don't know how they're doing It's because we work for ourselves and we know the the stress that's involved in all of this malarkey. Exactly. Exactly. No, thank you so much for doing this. I I, I guess I I do a wee kind of backstory in terms of like how we connected. So I I usually say this in the podcast, like, I don't know, Jodie, but I do now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, I think, I feel like we connected through our love of Tiger King. Oh my God, it was. You were sending me constant updates about it. And I was was like, she'll think I'm up here weird. (laughs) No, no, no. I loved it. You were sending me things and I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that. See, I didn't know about the Louis through Yeah, um, the documentary well, I'd, I'd heard that it had happened, but I didn't know what it was called, so I couldn't find it. So when you sent me, I was like, oh my God, she's such a legend. She loves the madness as well. Oh, it was brilliant. No, I Absolutely. really appreciated that. Not at all. Not at all. And thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Um, the Bra and the Brave is basically just about people and their passions. And I've been recording for over a year now. And, you know, I'm just I'm just nosy. I'm just interested in people and what they do and what they love to do and all that jazz, really. So, um so I'm totally excited to to learn the journey, Jodie. So first of all, where were you growing up and what did you want to be when you were wee? Right, okay. Um, so I think I came out of the womb knowing that I wanted to be on the telly in some sort. I think I already knew that from when I was like a newborn. Um, but no, no. So I grew up and I lived in Mary Hill for the first five years of my life. And then we moved out to Coke Bridge. So then the rest of my kind of upbringing was in Coke Bridge. Really? Aye, um, yeah. Where are you from? I'm in Bells Hill. Are you? Oh Aye. my God! See, I didn't know this either. It's mad because we all just know each other on social media, but you're actually only up the road to me when I'm home. Yeah, yeah. So I, I choreograph for Airdrie Coatbridge Operatic. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's so, so we probably cool. know loads of people like. Oh my God! I bet, I bet you we know everybody in the same. That's like, mental. I totally didn't know that. 
Aye, so well, to be fair, I've not lived in Coatbridge properly for six years, obviously, mm. because um, I've been in London for six, is it six or seven years? I can't actually remember. Um, but my wee granny's still there, so Aww. my mum's in Paisley now, but my, my wee granny's still in Coatbridge, she'll never leave. So you went to school in Coatbridge then? Yeah, I went to school, and honestly, like, I was the most painfully shy wee girl you've ever met. Like, I was such a weirdo. Like, I don't know, I don't even know where it came from, but I was so, so shy, like, really shy. I don't know if it's because I moved schools or whatever, but wow. I was terrible. I was so, so shy. And then we started doing drama and we started doing um, like plays and stuff. Mm. And then I just became this person. I just completely came out of my shell. Um, and then like my head teacher used to say the only time she would actually hear me speak was when we were doing shows and stuff because I just suddenly had this big loud voice and I was like right this is me this is where I'm meant to be this is what I absolutely love and I just kind of knew from then on in that that's what I wanted to do so I'd done loads of plays and stuff in school Mm -hmm. and like won competitions from a primary school and all that sort of stuff did like mad poem competitions reciting Robbie Burns and all that (laughs) but um and then obviously went on to high school um and then they didn't do drama at my high school so I was gutted about that Hmm. but they did music so I was like right well I need to obviously pick that and then we had to pick instruments so I chose to learn to sing (laughs) oh my god I was so awful for the first year I was actually horrendous like honestly I don't know how the music teacher put up with me she worked a miracle but then like a year later she put me in so I like after just a year of training she put me into this competition um to go and like I don't know go and sing for the school or something mm-hmm. and I won as best singer and that wow. was like only after a year of being absolutely terrible so it, the progression was quite quick and something that I've learned about myself like just generally as I've got older as well I'm shy at most things but see if you give me the chance I'll learn to do it see if I want to do it I'll learn to do it like if it comes to like golf or something like we played mini golf when I was in Australia and honestly I could not I was taking about four shots or something to get it into the, the hole like for on average Okay. But then, see, by the end, I get three holes in one, Lisa. Nice. So You're like so, I So, and then that kind of took over. So, and then I uh, left school at 16. I did, I went to fifth year, so I mm-hmm. got my hires and stuff. And then the way my birthday falls, I left at 16 and started my degree. And that was um, in musical theatre at Motherwell College. No way. Um, aye. Gosh, I taught there for a wee while. You're joking. Yeah, it was like a kind of um, schools like project, like girls, it was all girls in my class that... Um, not not school refusers, but just to get out of school yeah. and do something different that the school didn't offer. So I taught dance there. I mean, it was years. It was the old building. It was before, like... I, 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 so I went there for two years, and then I, I only went to the new building for one year. I love that old building. Jeez, oh, that's mental. The fact that you taught dance, you'll be glad that you never taught me, because I was absolutely <laughs> terrible at dance, away, honestly. Away, you no, I was. I could get away with, like, sexy dances or whatever, or, like, just kind of, like, oh. you're kind of contemporary, as they yes. call it. But seeing it came to Bali and, like, oh, Fossey <laughs> and all that, oh, my God, my dance teacher hated me, honestly. That poor woman, she went through hell just as well. So the the acting side of it mm. and the singing side of it were my strengths. Like that's yeah. what I was kind of. Like, those were my strengths and stuff. So and at that I point, were you my... thinking I'm going to go and be an actor? Aye. So I wanted to be going in the West End. I wanted to be on shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually did my final year of my degree in Hull because they've right. got a performing arts school down there. Um, mm. and obviously all those schools in London and stuff are just absolutely ridiculously like expensive. Yeah. Like I auditioned for a few, and it's like ten grand for a year's training and stuff back then so god knows what it is now so that's just like not feasible so um me and actually four of my um best pals from the course um that we were on in motherbelt we actually all moved down the hall together for our final year at least that was the best year of my life it was brilliant we had a three-story five-bedroom house 
five Scottish girls down in England studying what we loved. Honestly, pissed pretty much every weekend. The parties we had, like it was just <laughs> the best experience. And then we all did well down there as well. So we yeah. all got really good parts and stuff and our shows and stuff like that. And just got really good training. And it was, it was brilliant. It was amazing. And then so I got my degree by the time I was 19 and I was kind of, you know, set. Like, this is what I want to do. Going to move to London, blah, blah, blah. But then obviously I came home. Uh, back to Glasgow I think I was back for about a year or two mm-hmm. um, and I was kind of going down to London for additions um, going to additions up the road kind of just bits and bobs like trying to get somewhere and I just wasn't really getting anywhere and I found myself just sort of going out every weekend just partying and just kind of like you know what you do when you're like you know early uh, oh, 20s or whatever yeah, yeah. and um, I just thought my life's going nowhere I need to get out of this I need to I need to get out of Glasgow and I need to go to London I need to like actually fight for this because I wasn't finding anything was coming up for me in Glasgow so I moved to London when I was 21. Didn't have a clue what I was That's even so doing or anything. Oh, I know, but it was it was just uh, it was so expensive. It was yeah. so it was such a shock. So like the first kind of year, I was just kind of trying to survive, really, just kind of doing jobs here and there and blah 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 and bits and bobs and kind of getting somewhere, but not really getting wee kind of tip bits mm-hmm. if you like. And then that's when I go into media. So I'd been kind of looking, I needed a job, so I was thinking I'll try and maybe get into TV, maybe working as a runner or something behind the scenes. And I went to this Channel 4 um, open day, so it was like, a, it was called a um, C4 pop-up. Well, it wasn't called a C4 pop-up at the time, it was called a 4 Talent Day at the time, they're now called mm-hmm. C4 pop-ups. And it was like this pop-up for young people, you can go along and you can find out what there is to know about TV, what kind of jobs there is and where you might fit within that. So I'd been like hammering them because this was the only thing I could find that would actually give you an insight into TV at the yeah, time. Yeah. So I was like emailing them and all that, um, saying like, what can, you know, I want to come along. Like, what do you recommend? And they were like, yep, definitely come along. And we think you should um, look at the presenting workshop that we have on that day. We think like, obviously with your background and stuff, you might be quite good at that. And I was like, right, okay, well, I'll get a go. But, mm. you know, I'm probably shitting at it. So <laughs> went to the presenting workshop. And then we all had to um, read from, really weirdly actually, we all had to read from autocue to, to a camera and pretend we were on the red carpet live, which is really weird because wow. that's essentially what I'm doing that's now. So honestly, I was so nervous. I think I'll share the video maybe one day. It's not even about the fact how bad the presenting is, it's how bad I look. So I'm red, my chest is red roll because <laughs> I've been like tan in the sunbed because I was so nervous. And when I get really nervous, I get really red. I was, I was terrified. But anyway, they loved it. And they, they, from that workshop, they chose me as the best presenter of the day. And then they showed it to the full of the, the full like um event so there was like maybe three thousand people or something I can't, I can't remember exactly oh my goodness um in a university called ravensbourne That's um awesome. on a big massive screen and then so basically the head of four talent there um priscilla who is just so amazing she said to me at the time she was like um listen i think this is something that you'd be really good at i think you should go away and get some experience there isn't a role for you right now she said but there, there is a role opening up in a year's time um and it's a four talent presenter role where we take you on a freelance basis and you do projects for us um for our online stuff and i was like right and all these people just believed in me. There was a few other people there as well. A lady called Effie, who was so, so lovely. Um, and then Gabby, who became my boss after that as well. Um, she's since left for talent. But quite a few people just gave me really good feedback. And I was like, you know what? This, these people have a channel for seeing me think I'm good at this. So I'm going to get a go. Yeah, yeah. So um, for about a year after that, I just did loads of voluntary stuff. So I did student productions. There's a really good uh, university here called Ravensbourne that I was talking about just there, mm-hmm. um, who looked for presenters for their student um, productions and stuff. Did some stuff for online channels. And honestly, I was shite. I tried to speak really posh in the beginning as well, because what I was doing is I was acting like a presenter. I don't know if that's because I'm acting background, but I wasn't 
maybe fully being me as right. much as because yeah. you're in front of a camera, of so you, you kind of you're not completely yourself. Do you know, we were all a version of ourselves when we were yes. at work and stuff like that mm. as well. So, but anyway, um, a year later it opened up and there was a new uh, lady in charge of the scheme called Laura, who I love. And Gabby had kind of spoke to Laura and said, look, this is Jodie. We told her to go away and get some experience. She's been doing really well. She's been doing stuff online. Um, she's really went away and done what we told her kind of thing. And then by hell or high water, there was absolutely no way I wasn't getting that job. Yeah. So it went to the sort of um, interviews for it and we had to speak about why we should get the job. So I totally, it was like Dragon's Den, totally bigged myself up. <laughs> um, and then they... They could just tell, like I just, I didn't leave because basically there was another girl, Shan, um, who actually got the social media job because it was mm-hmm. like four roles. And the two of us just sat speaking for ages and I waited on her to finish her interview so we could leave and walk to the ship together. And like, I remember Laura just came out and laughing and being like, I knew you'd still be here. I knew you'd still be sitting here. And I'm like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. Like, if you need me to go, and she's like, no, don't be daft. But that's just, just your determination. No, you just wanted it. Oh, I, I just, I knew by hell or high water, there's yes. absolutely no way. I've, I've just dived into this whole new career. I'm probably making an absolute arse of myself. Um, so they're giving me that job <laughs> so that I can get better at it. I love it. Um, and that was my first professional paid job. I think that was 2015. Gosh. That was my first professional paid presenter job, like only after a year. So it's pretty amazing because is, presenter jobs are few and far between. But it's um, really nice that you I had actually written down to ask you like if there were people along the way that have helped you and inspired you. And that is really nice to hear that there were those people rooting for you. Oh God, see, because honestly, I can my, imagine my it's quite is... cutthroat in a lot of ways as well. Like you know, oh, the, the arts in general, and you know, and TV and stuff. I'm sure there's just a million people at your coattails wanting your job. You, so it's lovely to hear that people are rooting for you and and showing you the door, the way yeah. in, <laughs> no the way but out. Honestly, if, I think I think my whole career as a presenter is dedicated to four talent. Like I owe them mm-hmm. everything because if it wasn't for them believing in me, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't even know what I was going to be doing. I didn't believe in myself in any capacity at that point. So if it wasn't for them for believing in me so much I wouldn't have I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now like yeah. they, they kick-started my career they they literally set me on my path and as soon as you get that first job where people actually believe in you and you're being paid you just get better mm-hmm. you just naturally do because mm-hmm. you want to do you know what I mean and, and because you, you get that confidence within yourself to go right somebody's actually paying me to do this so I must be decent so I need to go over yeah. any sort of self-doubt that I've got and I just need to go on with the job because I'm getting paid to do this job that do the best you exactly. can do exactly oh 100% and it was the best job in the world I loved that job so I'd, I'd get back and do that job in a heartbeat I basically just made um, we made videos of the events around the country so these C4 pop-ups we created videos for online after it so we did like a full wee production plan we had a director we had a production manager we had a social media manager and we just kind of worked together um, so I wrote all the scripts and stuff and, and we just we worked together to bring up like a wee mini production um, it was called Four Crew so it was mm-hmm. like a little mini production crew of four people and then once that scheme ended I was like oh my god what am I going to do um, but luckily I got the job at i3 too which um, I'll go on in a minute but yeah. um, Channel 4 were so nice they actually asked me back and they were like Jodie would you be up for coming back to host the pop-ups we don't know if live hosting and sort of emceeing is your sort of thing but would you be up for doing it and I was like absolutely mm. I've done it before but give me a, give me a go and I'll Hi. do it because I, I'll, I'll do anything for you um, and the first one they took me to was Belfast and oh my god what a laugh I had oh and I think as well when I go to these things when, it, when, when I went to these things with Channel 4 I think when you go to areas like Belfast or areas that aren't um, as well represented I think when they hear an accent and they hear that you're, you're you can quite clearly yes. hear I'm working class you know what I mean you can hear <laughs> the big 
Glaswegian accent. I think when they hear that and they think, well, she's done it. Yeah. So, so can I. I think they really just, they warm to you quicker. So it went really well in Belfast. Um, my God, favourite city apart from Glasgow, obviously. Mm. It felt, I felt like when I was there, when I was walking around, I just knew it. I just mm. felt as if I know where I'm going, even though I didn't have a clue. <laughs> you just, you kind of, it's, it's very much like Glasgow. Yeah, you just yeah. you feel very at home there. And what but was yes, your family I... making all of this? Like, were they were they encouraging you? Were they, you know, obviously you'd went to do the degree and stuff and, you know, the, the initial plan had changed course, but, you know, all this determination and moving to London on your own at 21 and, like, what were they making of it all? I think, obviously, they were quite worried, obviously, about, like, moving and stuff. My wee granddad um, gave me money and stuff mm-hmm. before before I came down and stuff. God rest his wee soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gave me money and stuff to help me coming down and... Um, you know, I got support and stuff um, from my family. Like they've always been great in terms of that sense. Yeah. But obviously, they're all working class as well. Do you know what I mean we're not? I've not got a massive money fund. I'm a magic money tree, sorry, yeah, or anything like that. So, I. um, they helped as much as they could, obviously. But supportive wise, they've been supportive in everything that I do. So obviously, they they wanted me to do the theatre stuff, and my, my wee granny still misses me singing and stuff like that. <laughs> um, she misses me um, singing and all that. But they've been so supportive. They're like my biggest fans. They anything they can do to help, they'll do it. So they they were happy. They were like, no, if this is what you think is the right decision then you do it and that's the thing they're quite good in that sense that if I make a decision and they maybe don't think it's right they'll still say look if you've made that decision we trust you you're very headstrong and and they kind of let me go and make my own mistakes as well if I need yeah. to because I think you need that as well and you need to just of go course. and find your own way as a young person and you know I'm pretty headstrong and I'm, I'm pretty forward facing I'm very confident so yeah. I'll go and I'll go and take on whatever I need to take on do you know what I mean I'm very very determined I've always been determined since I was wee so but what I think I've transitioned you know that... from being shy and retired oh, and, and you know and and now look where you are and what you're doing. I used to greet go to school. I used to cry go uh-huh. to school. I used to, I used to have this thing. I would be crying. I, I used to get anxiety on a Sunday night because I knew I had to go to school and, yeah. and face people. I don't know what was wrong with me. People look at you and think you're a confident person. You know, you're like actually it's been a total transition. There's been like yeah. a journey there where, and I, I guess there's probably still situations that you get yourself into. You're like. Oh my God, oh, can I actually believe I'm here and I'm doing this, but I've just got to get on with it. And like you were saying, that's oh, what God, you did. Nice. You were just making it happen and figuring it out as you were doing it. It's a fake confidence as well. Mm. See, with me, it's a fake confidence because I have, I'm my worst critic. So I will tear myself down that you wouldn't believe. Nobody could tear me down more than what I can tear myself mm-hmm. down. I am very self deprecating. I'm very particular. I'm an absolute perfectionist. And I, I, I'm learning to let go of that because you can't be when you're doing what we what, in this industry. You yeah. just can't be. But I, I'm, I lack confidence so much in so many ways. I have my days where I just feel absolutely shit, and I think, what have I actually achieved in my life? What am I actually doing? I have my days where I feel horrendous. But see, if I'm on the red carpet and Brad Pitt's walking up to me, I have to find that confidence <laughs> somewhere. I need to fake that. I need to just have and see when you fake it in your mind, it's that whole fake it till you make it. You've just got, you've just got to because your body changes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you allow your to feel that anxiousness is going to come through whereas I just honestly there's times where I've been on the red carpet and somebody's come up to me and I've not got a clue who they are and I have to interview them and I just pretend like I know and I'm like oh hi <laughs> lovely to see you how are you doing how's life what are you up to I just make it up yeah. but you just but if you come across as confidence people don't know that you're actually shitting yourself and you've not got a clue who this person is in front of you do you know what I mean people don't know it that's it so, and then we just treat people the way you would want to be treated just just be a nice exactly. human and just say hello how are you you know and people warm tea right away and then they open up and then you're like all right i figured out who you are Aye, exactly. Cause it, it's normally the reality stars. It's normally them because they come oh, up and I'll just right be like, so what are you up to? And they'll be like, well, you know, since X and the Beach finished, I've been doing this. And I'm like, right, okay, then you go. Here's my next question. So how was X and the Beach? How did you find the experience? <laughs> it's like, just link. Honestly, so many times I've done that. 
So after your time, like at C4 and stuff, were you thinking, right, I know what I'm going for next? Or is it like that wilderness of like, oh my God, right, what am I doing now? No, I didn't have a clue. So obviously while I was there, they encourage you to look for other things and stuff. And they, they help you get meetings and stuff if you need to. They try and support you as best they can. But obviously nobody gives you a magic wand and can say, right, here's your next presenting job. So the job I'm doing now, FYI Daily on ITV2, I'd been hammering my boss, um, at the time, uh, my boss was called Jonathan, mm-hmm. and I've been hammering in since since I kind of started presenting, even before I got the Channel Four job, just saying I want to do that job. Yeah, I could just see myself doing it. And he was like, "Look, you've not got a lot of experience. Go and get some experience, and but keep in touch mm-hmm. and keep sending me showreels and stuff." So that's what I kept doing. And then obviously by the time I'd finished with Channel Four, I had a pretty decent showreel. I'd shown that I had got a lot more experience, um, and I'd got in touch with him. And he was like, "Look, there's nothing opening right now," he says, "but maybe in the new year." And this was maybe like September time he was like so and I just want to say well done on all your progression like you've really progressed and I can see that so get in touch with me in the new year and I was like right okay so I did and then lo and behold they were looking for a new freelance FYI presenter and it was only for like one or two shifts a month but I was like listen I am so up for that yeah so I did a screen test and all that with the author queue and stuff couldn't edit on Avid, which is what we what the editing software that I, we edit on, I could edit a wee bit on other other softwares, but not like the way okay, this was. Okay. Like, this was really like hardcore prod, broadcast mm. editing. But anyway, he got the job from the screen test, which was amazing. Mm. And I think just because he knew that like, I'm not going to leave you alone until you give me this job at some <laughs> I, point. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to keep but coming back. I just back. love that determination and just being like, listen, I will, I will do a really good job. Just give me a chance. But you need to, you need uh-huh. to, because there isn't. That's the thing, people. I, I feel bad because people have um, DM'd me asking for advice about presenting, and there's some people I haven't got back to, and I just forget about it. But you know, I don't want to reply and say anything wrong because. I actually don't really know how I got here. <laughs> I don't know how I'm getting away with this. So I kind of, I'm like, I don't really know how to advise you because there aren't jobs. There just aren't. There's some websites and stuff that I still use, like Star Now and stuff, where they will, will actually advertise for presenters and that. But there aren't jobs, so you have to create your own opportunities. Yeah. And that's kind of what Channel 4 taught me. Like, they were very much like, you know, don't wait for the opportunity to come yeah, to you. Like, go out and happy to yourself. Yeah, go out and create that opportunity. So I've just kind of found where there might be a, a job and being like, right, I'm going to email this person and say that I could do that. Or, or finding, like my job that I do with BBC Scotland, I pitched that to them and I said, look, I'm based in London. I've already got experience of doing red carpets and stuff from the job that I had at ITV2. You know, I can edit now. I can edit fully for broadcast on Avid. And I was like, so I could be doing this for you in London. I've got some PR contacts and stuff like that from previous shoots that I've done and things. And I pitched that and then obviously got that with them. But I, that job never never found me I went out and found that job if you know Love what it. I mean Love I created it. that job for myself and I think I saw an opportunity. people underestimate like certainly I would like that what's involved in your job you don't just rock up and speak you know like the editing the writing you know the travel that must be involved the preparation all the negotiations that you need to have with other people that are involved like it's not just you stand in a spot and say some words 100% yeah. I'm so glad I'm so so glad you made that point mm. honestly because when I actually look at it like my job at ITV2 for example it's probably 90% production and then yeah. 10% presenting I'm probably in the studio for 10 minutes I'm probably presenting literally for 10 minutes mm-hmm. the rest of it is all I have to source the stories luckily we have a subscription to a news site called AP where we can get quite a lot of content which is great but we need to source the stories I write the whole script including the wee ticker stories that run across the bottom I write absolutely everything and then I have to edit the whole thing so I have to edit trailers sorts from celebs interviews wow. all that sort of stuff 
I edit the whole thing and then once I've recorded and stuff, I set it up for the recording. Once I've recorded, I come back out and I do the whole post-production myself and then send it on Jeez. to um, Traffic who send it on to ITV. I, I, I so would actually, that, so I'm pretty sure lots of people watching the TV and watching what you do, you know, wouldn't have any clue that you did that level of work. I know. And that's the annoying thing because I think people think I just turn up, do my job for 10 minutes and I'm like, right, that's me, I'm away now, I'm away to live. No, 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 I go in and do that whole thing. And don't get me wrong, like, I absolutely love it and I <clears> love, <throat> see now, I love editing my own stuff. I hate not editing my own stuff now. I create packs for BBC Scotland now as well and sometimes, like, yeah. I'll, like if, if they need to get it out straight away or whatever, they'll do it and that's fine. But see now, I don't feel as if I've done my full job unless I edit everything because I'm like, I like to take ownership of that now. Yeah, I like to edit my own thing and be like, I made that. I actually enjoy the editing process as well like listening back to it's quite I, I find it quite like relaxing actually <laughs> and obviously yeah, it's and a hobby do you know what I mean like that's your job and you've obviously got a, a certain standard that you know it needs to be achieved but it's just learning those skills like I've, I've actually it's been totally in my comfort zone to do it but um when you have to you have to and it's like the remote podcasting thing I was like oh no I don't want to like speak to people over the internet but I'm like well you just need to figure it out and that sounds like what you've been doing this whole time just figuring I, it out I learned on the go I didn't I didn't go you don't go to a fancy presenting training school and and then suddenly come out a polished presenter that's not how it works and obviously all the editing and stuff I've learned as a, as a go because I didn't study broadcast you don't get access to avid systems I learned that as, as I went along yeah. you know what I mean so your skills um, in terms of theatre uh, you know and the performance side of things and script writing and all the things that you did at, at uni and you know at the college that that'll obviously all feed into what you do now oh absolutely i think i think having that um background definitely mm-hmm. helps you i think even just with confidence like it just it just helps you and as you know how nerve-wracking it is to get up and sing in front of people and stuff like that mm-hmm. you but once you kind of learn battling with those nerves and dealing with it, it gets easier so yeah. i think um obviously my first kind of presenting things i'd be really really nervous like not so much if it was pre-recorded or whatever but like red carpets and stuff i'd be really really nervous whereas now i can control i still get nervous and i think it's normal to get nervous and to get that adrenaline rush but i have a way of controlling it now and i know that it's going to be fine and i know that i'll worry about something i'll think oh i hope this interview goes well but i know that i've done it a million times before so i know that it'll be fine so you, you get into that process of learning to control your nerves and the yeah. only way to do that is by doing it you don't learn that overnight so true and sometimes if i'm doing an interview and i think this is pre-recorded i've sang in front of three thousand people at the royal concert hall live what am i worried about i've done live performances <laughs> like why am i worried about talking to somebody yeah. like this is stupid so I think I think definitely having that background and having the experience of being absolutely terrified but going out and doing a performance and being able to hold like I remember doing a play in college and it was quite a it was quite a deep play actually it was set in a mental institution and I had this big massive monologue and I remember just see that feeling of holding the audience in your hands and they're focused intently on you mm-hmm. and what you're going to say next and being able to take a pause. Like, I just remember that feeling and thinking that's so powerful. I've got a full audience, like, hanging on to my every word. I've got them in my hand. And I think having that experience and being able to do things like that in the past definitely helps with things in the future because you just think, what I'm doing in comparison to that is absolutely nothing. I'm talking to somebody. Like, chill yeah. out, hen. I'm just having a blather. Aye, and that's the thing, like, with the, the big celebs that I've interviewed as well I try and just see them as human beings and I try and just treat them as that um, I don't try and suck up their arse like I mean obviously with Robert De Niro I was like it's an absolute honour to meet you because it is an honour to meet him do you know what I mean it's Robert De Niro um, and I am nice to them because I think you should just be nice as a person yeah. you should just be respectful about the fact that you're interviewing that person mm-hmm. do you know what I mean and give them that respect well, you're, you're um, savvy enough to know what goes on in the industry and how many interviews they'll have done in that day or that week or whatever so just being a nice human <laughs> will oh, go a long way honestly it makes such a difference and I think 
I think the accent as well, I'm not going to lie, I think that helps. Like, I've been getting a wee bit annoyed recently because, obviously, I've seen that um, Question Time interview that Darren did. I've seen all the backlash he got about that, but his accent, that absolutely infuriated me. And I do think there still is prejudice towards um, Scottish accents, definitely 100%. But what I will say is, for me, on the red carpet, it's a point of difference, and people just like it. Because, do you know what? People love Scotland, right? And I know people put it down, but for the most part, people love Scotland and the Americans, oh my god, they absolutely love it. Like Harvey Keitel, I couldn't really get a proper interview out of him because he just wanted to tell me about Greenock and how much he loved it. <laughs> and like Brad Pitt, the first thing it came out, I was actually halfway through my first question and he interrupted me to say, Oh, I love that Scotland, those Highlands. And I was so taken aback by it because I was like, One, he's really? listened to what I'm saying, and two, he's just said that he loves Scotland. So I, like, my oh, response was like, Oh, well, you know, Scotland um, loves you too, but really I was meaning, like, I absolutely adore you. Like, You're you so right, number, it's fine. It just, um, people just have an affection for it, for the accent yeah. and for Scotland. I went to see um conversation with Stacey Dooley recently, and uh, she was saying the exact same thing about her accent and, you know, the backlash and the comments that she's had, that she doesn't sound like she should. And I think in her line of work, again, her accent and her humility... And just being a nice person yeah. has has opened doors for her. Exactly, a hundred percent. I think that's I think that's the key, to be honest. And like, there is some times when I'm on the red carpet. Um, there was particularly a Disney one that I did, and there was a lot of foreign crews there. Now, obviously, like when you are doing red carpets and stuff, you build up um, relationships with the PRs hmm. here, and there's the same kind of PR agencies that do the same premieres. And if you mess up your relationship with them, the likelihood is they're not going to give you a spot on the red carpet. So I have to apply for spots on the red carpet before we can go on. So, but this particular one, there was a lot of foreign crews, so they've got no loyalty really to UK PR companies because they don't really care. And it was for the premiere of Maleficent Two, mm-hmm. um, as with Angelina Jolie. And stuff and honestly that was the worst one that I worked at because people were just like jumping in front of other other reporters and like trying to push you up the line and stuff I just thought no and one person actually caught in front of me to ask a question to somebody else and I was like no 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 and I just said look that's not happening again I'm as fair as as it can be when Angelina comes down this line there's absolutely no way you're cutting in front of me you're you're next to me for a reason do you know what I mean that I'm in front of you for a reason I'm going to ask her a question and then you can it's not always like um, like that and don't get me wrong like it is competitive because you're not like not you can go to a red carpet and you just won't get an interview with somebody like Mm -hmm. it does happen and and it's really frustrating like I, I nearly never got Emma Thompson at the last Christmas premiere and I was like no no I'm not having this I need to get Emma Thompson because I'm just a massive fan but she was only doing a couple but luckily she the, she was kind of next to me um for the ones that she did and I just caught her eye and our agent was kind of trying to push her along but I caught her eye and I was like Emma I was like so nice to see you look amazing and I was like listen is it possible if I can just get one wee quick chat and she just kind of looked at me and smiled and then look- and looked at the the agent but the agent just smiled at me because she was like oh you know what she's nice just let her have it <laughs> and um and I got my one question and Emma Thompson touched my my earrings that I had on that oh, night wow. and she was just dead warm and I think just sometimes you've just got to be a chancer as well but in a polite and respectable manner and if they say no you just need to go all right no worries yeah. listen you don't ask you don't get... Do you know what I mean a hundred percent hundred percent Obviously, the celeb aspect is really exciting. There'll be people that you've met that you do respect and that you you know you are excited to to chat to because you love their work. But have there been memorable moments, whether that is like meeting certain celebrities or just certain 
pieces of work that you've been able to do or places you've been able to be where you're just like this is like a pinch me moment oh definitely I think Brad Pitt was the first time I actually felt because I don't really get starstruck mm-hmm. I don't really get like that because I'm just here trying to do my job so I'm quite hard on myself so I'm like yeah do this job uh-huh. and just do it well I, I, I've researched all my questions I'll re- I, I like stock them before I before I even meet them so I have a look at what they're like in other interviews to get an idea so I knew that Brad was quite short in his answers so I knew that I needed to have quite a few questions but I think we haven't that was the first time like obviously I, I, when I'm on the red carpet I'm just like oh my god like my, my focus is I just want him for an interview I really hope we get him I really hope we get him because there's no guarantees that you're going to get the big stars so as he was getting further and further along all I was focusing on is oh please 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 let us get him but then when he was like right next to me I was like <laughs> oh my god right I'm going to interview but and that's the first time I get starstruck and I got actual butterflies and I, I don't care what anybody says people say like oh there's a, like this tradition in Hollywood that female reporters just get absolutely absolutely melt in front of Brad Pitt there's just something about him there is something about him right I'm a strong Glasgow woman and I'm melted in front of Brad Pitt I'm telling you there's something about that man there's the star quality mm. is just overwhelming and you're just like oh my god and I that was the first time where I was like right okay I actually genuinely think I was a wee bit flustered there a wee bit starstruck but I don't think it came across in the questions no well I've, I've seen like the footage that you put on and you, you're you're consummate professional oh god <laughs> apart from them telling that I'm uh, that Scotland loves him behalf of the whole nation just well, to let do. you know Scotland loves you as well but we do <laughs> I mean <laughs> But I think um, I think Robert De Niro, obviously, that was massive as well. Obviously, Harvey Keitel, you know, on, on the Irishman red carpet. That was huge because Pacino was there as well. And it was just like, Jesus Christ, these wow. are like the creme de la the yeah, creme of yeah. this industry. Like, interviewing De Niro was, was a highlight as well. Well, I am was actually amazing. I loved interviewing yeah. him because he was so, so nice to me. Um, Cheryl Cole recently, actually, as well. That was a moment for me. I was really like, and she's just like an absolute angel in real life. But I think, um, so I've interviewed so many people, but I think um, actually meeting, De- I met Davina she's my idol I met her a couple of years ago at Good Morning Britain and I looked absolutely barking but I met her um, when I was working in the green room there I met her in that for me I was just like oh my god like I could like, I've interviewed so many people I've interviewed Zac Efron I could I could literally rhyme off a million different celebs but see meeting Davina oh my god that's when I get nervous because she's like my absolute idol so I basically just want to be her so oh, when I when I, when I see her it's like a One Direction fan meeting some do you know what I mean it's like, or it's like me as a Westlife fan like it'd be me like interviewing Westlife yeah no there's been so many highlights and, I mean am I right saying you just, stood in for Lorraine yes so I, oh my god that was a highlight as well thanks for bringing that up because I actually you know I forget who I've interviewed and I forget what I've done so that was a couple of years ago um, basically ITV were moving from their Southbank studios over to um the studios in White City and Lorraine was on holiday and they need, needed somebody to sit in and be a presenter and be her basically while they got the new set ready so all the lighting, the graphics, like all of that. So obviously I had worked at Good Morning Britain previously um, in the green room as a green room host so I kind of knew people that worked there anyway, we all kind of knew each other because a lot of the people kind of worked across the same shows so my friend had got in touch with me and she said Jodie, we're looking for someone to sit in for Lorraine just for a couple of days, like, I don't know how much actual presenting it will actually be because a lot of it's just to do with the lighting and stuff but we will be doing like a full show at some point would you be up for it and I was like oh my god you even need to ask I'm there I am totally there <laughs> so 
for the kind of first couple of days, it, it was just kind of sitting and reading a couple of links. It wasn't anything like overly exciting or whatever, mm-hmm. but it was just amazing just even being in her studio and sitting in her seat. Like, what an honour. And then I actually did get to do two back-to-back live shows. Like, so they were as live. So they weren't actually, they didn't actually go out on air or anything like that, mm-hmm. but they were recorded as live. So we basically had just used scripts from previous shows that had run. Oh. Um, and I had to inter- like fake interview people, so we had like um, actors that I still had to pretend, and I still did my research and done it as if I actually was doing the actual interview. And then obviously I got to read quite a lot of to to camera with the auto cue and stuff like that in professional studios, and it was it was amazing. Like honestly, and I know it sounds probably a bit I don't know probably a bit arrogant, but I felt really at home. Like I just felt like oh my god, this is I love this. I just feel really settled here. Like I, as much as I was nervous, I just had this sense of calm as well, which was all you you've worked your backside off to be there and you, you you have a natural talent and ability but also you're a pure grafter and you've oh, you know, thank you that means a lot but you, that you know so you deserved to be there you would, they wouldn't have given you the opportunity to do that if you weren't the right person i know but you just you just kind of think oh my god i'm this is my dream job like i'm actually sitting in for queen Lorraine like yeah. oh my god because in terms of like looking up to people like in terms of Scottish presenters she's she's by far the biggest there's ever been yeah. and probably yeah. ever will be do you know I what mean, I mean I, I was so, at um, the STV appeal so my dance troupe we got asked to go along to the live show and uh, we met Lorraine so we're watching her do her thing live I didn't realise how much work went into that you know she was speaking to somebody in her ear she was speaking to yeah. in front of her you know with the cameras she was also being extremely nice to everybody all these people that were in the studio and she was juggling about a million things and that's where I realised like the kind of job that you do I'm like yeah it's not just sitting and talking to camera it's definitely not there was so much work involved in it but like yourself she was just like a really nice human yeah and I think that's the thing I think people look at it and think oh I could do that and it's like go and have go and get a go then because it's not as easy as it looks it's really not you do have people in your ear um, I, I try and have close talk back when I'm covering David on the nine for example I'll have um, sometimes I don't even think I've had an earpiece in actually when I've been doing right. that but um, when I have had an earpiece in it's close talk back so the director will just go right Jodie we've actually only got two minutes left on this oh, or yeah. open talk back I don't even know if most people can even still have open talk back I don't even know if people still opt for it but open talk back is when you can hear everything in the gallery you can oh, hear the no. director telling which camera to move you can hear people talking oh, geez, like you can right. hear, but obviously about the show but yeah, like yeah. I, when you watch Lorraine like I actually worked as a production assistant on her show a couple of years ago um, and just watched her in the studio as well like she'll literally it'll be like, like 10 seconds to, to air and it'll be like 10 nine and she'll just keep talking right down to one second and I'm like geez oh and then she'll just be like hello good morning and don't get me wrong now that I, well it's not it's not the same but my job obviously with FYI like we, I have a wee countdown as well and they'll be like five seconds and I'm still footing about fixing the lip gloss and stuff like that and you can kind of hear them going five four and I'm like it's all right the titles have still to run like it's all right do you know what I mean so um I've kind of got to that point as well but I just just watching her is just like and then I remember after it um I wasn't allowed to put any pictures or anything like that because the new set hadn't been revealed but as soon as it had I put some pictures up and stuff and then Lorraine tweeted me and she was like looking good Jodie thanks very much and I swear to god I think I died that day no she she is a bit of a national treasure isn't she (laughs) oh my god absolutely 100% and I think like especially in what I'm doing as well because she she did a lot of the movie junkets and the the interviews and stuff Mm. with stars it's a kind of similar path you know what I mean so I think you've you've got to look up to her as a Scottish presenter because she she literally has but she's got her own show where her own name do you know what I mean is that a goal oh god I to be 
to be like Lorraine or Davina where I'm only known as Jodie like that yes. that imagine that like that's amazing to be like, fair, I that's an excellent that. name just to be called Jodie think so? oh aye 100% I was named I... after Jodie Foster because my mum my mum um, loved actors and all that growing oh, up so cool. um, she called me after Jodie Foster nice so um, that's that's the goal to have my own show in some capacity I'd love to have a chat show somewhere along the lines of kind of similar to Lorraine's um, but a, a cross between that and the Ellen DeGeneres show yes so like having real people and having celebs like and just that sort of vibe mm. like maybe an afternoon show because I'm not very good in the morning so I don't think <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great <laughs> obviously that would be the dream but mm. I'll, I'm like I'm obviously in, in um, I admire Davina McCall's career as well, yeah. and I love things like Long Lost Family and real people and yes. hearing their stories. Mm. I love that. There must be so many things that you're like, yeah, that I'd love to have a go at that. Oh my god, definitely. I'd love to do documentaries. <laughs> I'd love to do things where you're finding out about real people and their stories. I'd love to do a show actually about Scotland, and this is just a pure for purely selfish reasons. I want to do a, sh- a show tour in Scotland because. Yeah. The furthest north I've been is Oban. I'd only been to Loch Lomond last year. I've yeah. not been anywhere. <laughs> and I feel ashamed because people will, like, I'm, I've been watching the nest and stuff now and people are yes. like, oh my God, it's so beautiful, some of those scenes. Like, have you been to those places? And I'm like, no, no. I've no, I've hardly been outside been Glasgow. Been a bit busy. <laughs> well, I know, to be fair. So I would love to do a show, um, sort of tour in Scotland and, and finding out about my cool. country. That's just like one idea, but I have yeah. got millions of ideas. I'd love to do documentaries. Mm. I'd love to do these sort of um, comic relief challenges challenges and all that you know how like yeah swam, that did that big swimming challenge where she ran and cycled and swam that big challenge and stuff i'd love to do stuff like that as well i think it's a really great or good yeah yeah, yeah. And anything i've seen on your social media like you're you just seem very very genuine i get the vibe that what we're seeing and what we're hearing is just you that's the kind of similar vibes of lorraine and davina that's they make you feel that you know them and that's how that how, that's how when I'm speaking to you just now and when I see the stuff that you've put on your Instagram I'm like I feel like that's you oh that, see that means a lot I get goosebumps here when you said that no that means a lot and I'm yeah, glad it comes across like you I think you're you're just a total natural I try not to like on my Instagram stories and stuff like that that's me because I don't I don't like rehearse what I'm going to say when I go on my Instagram yeah. stories my Instagram stories are just for me but a lot of people I get slagged quite a lot a lot of my pals will slag me and be like why is she talking that fucking accent when I'm on the telly and stuff so I'm glad I'm glad I come across genuinely because sometimes yeah, I think yeah. are people thinking I don't know I just I overthink it sometimes and I'm like mm-hmm. this is me but obviously when I'm talking on ITV2 I'm talking at 100 miles an hour we've got 51 seconds to get three showbiz stories out yeah. which is just impossible anyway I worry and obviously I have to over announce it and I have to kind of speak a little bit that I have to tweak the accent slightly so sometimes I do worry and I think oh we're going to think why is she talking like that but um as times went on especially when I'm speaking to the celebrities and I'm doing stuff because I'm working with BBC Scotland now as well I think that's helped because now I'm just I'm getting a bit too relaxed with the accent you can totally <laughs> hear the weed you coming out you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's good because i've not actually had any problems with folk understanding me like when you, you get people being snidey about your accent you do because it's a point of difference and you get people being like oh you sure don't understand you with your accent and stuff Jeez, like that and you're like do you know what they all have so far i think i'll just carry on the way i'm going (laughs) so sometimes you do get paranoid about it and sometimes Mm -hmm. i do listen back and i'm like am i speaking clearly because i don't know if i am and you start to second guess it so i think sometimes if i ever come across ungenuine it's because i'm probably overthinking it do you know what i mean (laughs) it's no broke don't fix it aye exactly this is it and i think that's the thing we like my advice would be to anybody that wants to be a presenter is just be yourself and it takes time you're not going to be yourself completely because you're a version of yourself. Like, yes. we're a version of ourselves right now when we're doing this Absolutely. podcast because we're being professional to an mm. extent. Yeah. But I think over time, you just learn. Like, I, I would I would be trying to speak quite posh and 
speaking that kind of posh Scottish accent. Whereas as times went on, I'm just like, you just you just forget, and you uh-huh. just you just your true self comes out because you forget the cameras there, and you forget that you're you forget that it's there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. In a way, but it Plus, takes you time. Fill that experience up that you are in your comfort zone you are comfortable and obviously there'll be moments yeah. where you're like oh geez right okay and there'll be hurdles and things that happen and you're obviously working with a lot of technology and things break down and don't work but essentially you are in your comfort zone now you are where you're meant to be and you are a professional and this is what you do this is your career i feel like i'm still winging it right enough i feel like i'm still blagging <laughs> but that, that really <laughs> this is what i learned from this podcast you know having recorded over 70 episodes everybody has an element of imposter syndrome i think creatives generally yeah, like we have a bit of that anyway but mm-hmm. what you're doing is amazing like the fact that like what what i love about what you're doing and what everybody else is doing that's got a podcast or whatever it is you've got off your arse and actually created something so there's met loads of folk that get in touch with me and say I want to be a podcaster I want to do this and I'm like right so what are you doing to achieve that mm. and see when they say that like go out and do it don't wait for the opportunity to come to you go out and create it you've found a way to make this work throughout coronavirus and that's just what we're going to have to do as creators yeah. because unfortunately there isn't a lot of government support for people like me who are mm. PAYE freelancers yeah. I know there's a lot of like funds and stuff coming out there's a lot of um, charities and stuff that are bringing out funds and stuff but our industry has been shut down overnight so <sighs> you've got to just find a way make to, to get around it and, yeah. and keep creating to keep yourself sane if anything that's the thing like it's the best thing i've ever done like it really is and it is a hobby and it's something that i fit in around my job and stuff but at this moment in time you know not working and being in the house and stuff you know it's been a total lifeline to be able to continue this and speak to people and just um yeah i think like oral history and like documenting people's lives yeah Mm -hmm. is important and it's interesting and i think now like this is a great great time to do it as well yeah it's been a total learning experience but i'm loving it and i get to speak to nice people like you who have done amazing interesting things so you're brilliant you're going to take my job someday so earlier on you said um if you were to give advice to anybody looking to get into presenting tv but what would your advice be to your younger self oh jesus christ that's deep oh um my advice to my younger self would be believe in yourself and i know that's so typical and cheesy everybody always says it but the moment i started believing in myself that's when opportunities started to happen for me. And I notice it now today when I sit and I'm negative and I'm like, oh, it's never going to happen. It doesn't happen. See, as soon as I start to believe and think that's going to happen for me yeah. and I visualise it happening, it happens. So I think I'd say believe in, believe in yourself. Know your worth. Don't just jump at opportunities because they look like an opportunity. Sift things out. Suss things out first. Ask for what you deserve. Because I think when you're young and you're starting out in this industry, you just take whatever you'll get. And I regret that so, so mm-hmm. much. Um, because I took less than I deserved in so many aspects. And I was very naive to certain things although I'm quite level-headed and quite strong-headed you kind of get taught that in this industry that you need to sell your soul to get mm-hmm. to where you want to be and I kind of believed that and I was I was almost too determined to the point where I would have given my, my left kidney or whatever yeah, um, yeah. to to be successful so I think actually I, I should have given my advice to be true to yourself and know your worth and obviously it's very well in saying that when you're 28 looking back at yourself when yeah, you're 20. Yeah, it's a great thing but I think it's still important that you can recognise that and just say that that is like a, the trappings of what you do when you're initially starting out and i think i think i'd just say to anyone young and obviously to myself when i was younger you know know your worth don't just just don't don't accept second best don't accept what you think or what you've been told is good enough for you at that time accept only what you feel is right for you don't just accept something because somebody said this is a great opportunity you should take it be picky because you've got the right you've got the right to be picky yes you're starting out and you know but know your worth don't don't just you know and all these like unpaid internships and all that as much as i think voluntary work is great to 
an extent. Don't be doing a job. If you're basically doing a job for somebody, don't be doing that for free for yeah. a, a period of time. Do you know what I mean? Like, know your worth and know actually, no, do you know what? They do need to because you're creating something for them. And I think, I think I, that's my biggest probably piece of advice. Know your worth. And I'd probably just say to my younger self, look, you're, you're not going to have it all figured out by the time you're 28, but you, you know, you'll be a much further ahead and you're going to interview Brad Pitt. So chill yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're right though that thoughts become things and I loved how you said earlier on, like if it doesn't exist, like create it, just make it happen. I feel like that's just the general vibe of you, Jodie. Like just doing it. Just make it happen. Just get a bash. Get in there, work dead hard, be passionate. i d I'm I'm delighted like to find another basically bra brave clan member that is passionate oh. about what they do. It totally oozes out you when you're talking about what you do. It sounds like you love it. And it has its hardships and trials and tribulations, especially just now. But it sounds like yeah. you've just carved, grafted an amazing career for yourself. And yeah, people have helped you and people have supported you, but you did it because you you love it. Do you know? I think it's just that, that that see when you're just you grow up Glasgow, it's that that's that Scottish grit, isn't it? We just have that in us. We're entrepreneurs by nature, yes. I think. I think we just have that within ourselves and we have that that brave braveness that just comes from somewhere and I think it is just that. Right. I just and think that, it is that, that whole thing like, oh if you love something you'll never work a day in your life. Eh, no. Right. <laughs> like you will work ten times harder because you do love it and you want to keep it going. As much as it sometimes I'll be like, Oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy and I'll kinda like half moan about it. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely buzz for that. See when I'm busy doing what I love, it's the best thing that's in the world better. and I love my job so much and that's just why I'm so passionate about doing it and yeah. that's just why I kinda do want to have something because obviously at the moment I'm freelance, so I would like to have something where, you know, I'm reg I like I'm kind of before this I was regularly obviously doing it as much as possible but I would like to have like my own show or something one day whereas I'm like right this is what I do I go up in the morning and I go and I, I create this show every day and this is it and I just live for that because I know that I'll love it and I'll never complain do you know what I mean I'll never I'll never be that person that's throws hands back a coffee because it wasn't made right like I'll never be like that do you know what I mean because I'm just like I'll just be so grateful to be there do you know what I mean like I'll just be and that's like when I've been on the nine and stuff like that and I think I said my first time like a pure cheese ball like the first time I was on I was like thanks very much for having me I was just so excited to be there people remember that people remember that you were just a you know a decent human and you know that you were excited to be there that your enthusiasm I think on the flip side of that though sometimes it can come across like you're a wee amateur though so you've got to be careful because uh-huh. you've got, you want to be that fangirl but at the same time you've got to be professional yeah. so it's like it's, it's finding well, can, that balance you can turn it on like you were saying you're able to be professional when you need to be you wear different hats essentially aye you know 100% yeah. like one minute I'm my main producer the next minute I'm I'm the researcher uh-huh. the next minute I'm the writer then the next minute I'm the presenter but it is that and I think I think as well like people have this kind of thing where you shouldn't really fan fangirl people on the red carpet i've fangirled jesse buckley i don't know how many times but you know what i think it's okay when it comes from a good place and you continue with interviewing you still ask good questions i think it's actually good to be like that if you're generally a fan of somebody tell them do you know what i mean like when i when i met Dan- danny boyle at the yesterday premiere the first thing i said to him was listen i'm just going to i'm going to be a bit unprofessional here and just tell you that i absolutely love you because you brought his train spotting yeah. like what a legend i love train spotting i love that film I've waited my whole life to tell that man that. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think if you do it in a in a nice and professional way, not in a in a way like can I get your number or something? No, do you know I, what I mean? Like that's I, I, I think if you do it in a nice and in a professional manner, and I think I think when people hear the accent as well, they just think, oh, do you know what? Scottish folk are just nice. Oh. Generally, nine times out of ten, we're good folk. That's why you know there's people make Glasgow. That's that's the phrase yes. because they do. We, they they do. people are brilliant. Well, I'm going to jump on to what I call the thingamabobs. Right? I didn't tell you about this. I mean, there's a list of right. like 
you know, over 70. I'm not going to ask you some of the questions. I've picked out a few for you if you're willing to answer them. Just to get to know Jodie, just that wee bit more. Oh, I love it. If you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? Oh, that's a belter. Oh, I'd want to say Davina just because she's my idol. Yeah. And then just if I actually Davina just to see what it's like to have a six pack. I probably her. I'd probably be her for a day just to get the motivation and get into her mindset and like. find out how she does it basically. Um, which award ceremony or event would you like to host? Oh. The BAFTAs, probably. Nice one. The television ones. Well, actually, no, the film ones as well. Any, mm. any of them. But I thought you were going to say, well, which one would you like to work at? And I'd, I'd pro- I was probably going to say the Oscars, because um, obviously that's the biggest. But um, mm-hmm. probably the BAFTAs. But see, to be honest, National Television Awards, anything. I would take anything. I would do any any big show. I love them all. I would I sit and watch them and yeah. absolutely adore adore watching them. I would, any of them. Scottish BAFTAs. I would, I, I would host an award show for a local company, anything. I'll yeah. host anything. But I obviously, the big dream would be, you know, the Oscars, mm. that's what I think. Nice one. What's a moment in your past that you would want to relive? The exact way it went. Oh, oh, I don't know actually because I loved. I went to Australia a couple of years ago, and that was an incredible experience. Yeah. Just being there, mm. um, and but Barbados, like I went there again. So probably reliving like because I love travel as well, and I miss mm-hmm. that. So probably reliving like a holiday. Probably reliving being in the sunshine. To be yeah. honest, like, right now, I that's probably what I miss it. the most. <laughs> I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's another part of my life that was more exciting, and I'll remember oh, it. That's when, nice. Holidays are good. This, but I think just being in the sun and being in being in these beautiful places and discovering like a a new place. Love it. Right, here's a really difficult one for you: tomato sauce or brown sauce. Oh, I think tomato. Really? Uh, I think I do like brown sauce, but I think I think brown sauce is what I would have with like like black pudding or something, something yes. rich. Whereas I'd have tomato sauce with chips or like just general stuff. So I think tomato sauce is more of an everyday. Have you heard of a Dennis the Menace? No. Kevin Daniel Cahill. He's a classical guitarist. He was on this podcast and he was like, I asked him that question and he was like, both. And I was like, What do you mean like together? And he was like, Aye, it's called the Dennis the Menace. All right. So, well, I didn't. I've done that before. I just didn't know I had the term. The next, see the next time I do that, Thank I'm gonna. I'll take a picture the next time I have brown sauce and yeah, he will tomato sauce together. Like, send it to you. Nobody else knew about it. Apart, I was well, he had a burger van years ago, apparently. So oh, but I miss burger vans. I miss. I miss all that. That's what I miss about back home. I miss the rolls and square sausage. I miss yeah. all the shite. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I miss it so, so much. <laughs> That's funny because my next question was like, what, what's the best thing about Glasgow? And you're, you've just summed it uh, up. <laughs> well, well, apart from the scran and the square sausage and the I'm brew and all that, I mm-hmm. would say the people. It's the people it's got to be. Like, I was home actually just before this all happened and I was at a party. Do you know what I love actually? I love our party. See the parties you have in a hall, like a 30th or whatever? Yes. I live for those parties. <laughs> I think they're the best parties in the world. But a GBX, then you get brown eyed girl on, you're up doing love the slosh. It. I love all that. I actually, yeah. that's that. I'd say that's the best thing. The parties actually is probably <laughs> the best thing about Glasgow. And I just remember feeling so happy that night, thinking, I love this. It might be really basic. It might be just in a wee hall. But do you know what? I live for this. I live for our tunes. I live for our party culture. I love for the fact that when the music stops, we'll keep singing because we want another tune. I just I just love our, I love our culture. I love our party culture. I love the people. 
It's the people that were the richest mm-hmm. amazing, aren't we? They're pretty damn fabulous, to be honest with you. A weekend party, weekend party. party. Well, that's what I'm hoping for this Hug Marie, like when this is all over, hopefully that Hug Marie is going to be like what it used to be and folk will be going into each other's houses and like playing guitars and get oh, proper I'd party vibes. I, I know, I'd love that. And, I, and I, I'd love that. That was, all, like, that was always kind of one of my dreams as well. I'd love to obviously like host one of the Hug Marie programmes. Like, yes. that would be a dream Oh my God, you should well. totally be doing that. That's a life goal for me. That I've watched Jackie Bird obviously doing it so for so many years, and I've just always thought I would love to do that because for me, like growing up, my grand and granddad, it was always their house for a party. Right. So they were always the New Year's host. They always had hug money. They were always the party host. So I'm, I'm quite a good party host. I don't host that many parties, mm-hmm. but um, these days. But you know, I think I like to think of myself as quite a good party host. If I, if it's my own party, like mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I like getting everybody steaming and getting the cocktails <laughs> going and all that, and welcoming everybody in, getting the tunes going. I love that. So. I just think, do you know what? That's two of my favourite things, presenting and hosting a party. I'd love that. And lastly, I ask everybody this question. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, right, okay. That's a, that's a, that's a tough one, actually. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I've got millions. I know. Hey, I'm trying to think. That's a really, like, that's the hardest question you've asked me. <laughs> um, I don't know why Egypt's coming into my head. Nice one. Do you know what? I quite, do you know what? I quite like. I quite like um, Gander. I quite like Gander. I mean, Gander. I've been using that a lot more in my bulletins. Yeah. Because um, see, the thing is, with Scottish words, people ask me like English friends will say like, "Oh, tell us Scottish words," and I forget what the words are because you just kind of say them. Oh, you do. You, you don't. You forget them because uh-huh. you just you just say them in every day. And I've been thrown. I've been thrown Gander into my bulletins on ITV now because. Nice they're like, do you know what? It'll make sense in your your accent. Although I did throw in the word winch, and that didn't go down too well because they were like, "What does that even mean?" I love it. And I was like, "It means kiss." Like I quite like the word winch. Oh, um, what was the other one? I like the word blather. I Yay. like the word blather. That's my, that's I use that word far too much on my Instagram. But when I'm talking about somebody that I've interviewed, I always put blather. So I just love that blathering, havering. I probably blather actually. That's my favourite Scottish word, blather. Well, Jodie McCallum, you are a bra blatherer for sure. <laughs> oh God, I'm too much. Yeah, but I'm no too way. experienced at this blather. I don't shut up. I can't thank you enough for doing this. I can't thank you enough for asking me. Well, for getting me involved. I'm so. I'm honestly. I'm buzzing, and I just. I hope I've not spoke a lot of shit. I'm sorry if I spoke over. <laughs> you, you really haven't. I'm so paranoid now. You haven't. I talked about this. Is this is like teaching me to not speak? Uh, see the whole like professional nodding thing. I've not really got that down yet, and it feels weird <laughs> when I'm doing it remotely. Like in real life, like I find it really hard to just nod when people are talking because I feel like I'm being rude and not like vocalising. But it feels even more weird like remotely because. I'm like, if I don't talk, will she even know that I'm there? But that's all right because see if we were two wee grannies blether in our kitchen, you you they do happen, they do chime that's in. True. I mean, it's not like that. So we're just being true to yourselves. That's, that's right. Listen, honestly, you're an absolute star. Aww, Thank you so you're much. A gem, and I wish you all the best. And when this is all over, you'll just go back to being your fabulous self and totally grafting and making it all happen and all the things that you're hoping for and wishing for are absolutely believe they'll come true for you because you'll make them come true oh, thank you so much no i, I do I, I really appreciate that because at the moment you just feel like what am i gonna do but totally no by hell or high water when this is over i don't think i think i'm the sort of person that even if i wallow in self-pity i'll get myself out of it and i'll be like you right will. i'm doing you'll get the fake tan on and you'll be there <laughs> <laughs> the eyelashes and i'll be good to go oh thank you, you so much. i can't even say bye i can't even let you go listen this is me i'm always the last to leave doesn't matter what it is <laughs> always the last to leave so I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.